This is the Baywell Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, I'm with L. Grover Fricks. Hello. And we are joined by Elisa Bosley, the founder of Spiritual Elder Care. Elisa has decades of experience leading worship services and Bible studies and also working with adults who have dementia. In 2016, she combined those efforts to become a chaplain, and she serves at a long-term memory care community in Boulder, Colorado. Elisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Yeah. We're so glad to have you. <laughs> and I think we're going to talk about, you know, maybe some more uh, exterior parts of your family as we go through this conversation. But I want to know, like, what is your current home situation like? Um, what are your hobbies? Like, what are a couple of things that would just give us a, you know, a little idea of of what uh, what your interests are? Oh, great. Well, that that I didn't expect that. But yes, I um, I. My husband and I just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. Ooh, congrats. We got married. <laughs> we got married right out of college or actually graduation weekend. Wow. And uh, we have kind of lived all over the West Coast. And I worked uh, for many, many years in the publishing world. I'm, a, I'm still a professional writer and editor uh, as a freelancer, but previously I worked for a magazine and a food editor specifically, and loved that career mm. uh, until it just became a little too much <laughs> for me and decided, no, I'm I'm done and left that job very happily and amicably uh, in 2015. And that's when uh, the chaplain stuff started to, to take over. We have three grandchildren. So uh, we are incredibly fortunate that both of our adult children, um, our son and daughter, and their spouses both live nearby. Oh, that's and so, sweet. so we're just uh, we're the luckiest grandparents in the world. So we have a three year old grandson, and then two granddaughters, both of whom are uh, almost a year old. Mm. One one for my daughter's family, and one for my son's family. Oh. Beautiful. So yeah, it's I feel like living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> get to see the grandchildren. Get to see the grandchildren and my grown children, and their wonderful spouses as often as we like. It's really a huge blessing. Wonderful. Uh, what brought you specifically to the important work of elder care? And what what brought you to that from the food industry or the writing about oh. the food industry space? <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite a, quite a shift. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I loved being um, an editor and the food world but I did find that it was reaching the end of its uh, enjoyment for mm -hmm. me um, for lots of different reasons, nothing to do with the people I worked with who I still love. Um, but I think it was God moving me on. My, um, so I've always had a love for and a value for elders. I was very fortunate that I had all four of my grandparents um, mm -hmm. in my life well into and past my college years. They all lived really a long time. That's wonderful. Um, my mother is Latina. She's from Central America. So that's also, I think, a cultural thing. Like the the elders are very much a part of the family. Mm. They're not kind of, you know, set aside in special homes as much right. in Latin America. So, right, jettisoned. And so uh, I was really fortunate to have that uh, experience with elders from the time I, as long as I can remember. 
Then my father-in-law um, developed Alzheimer's disease. Uh, he passed away in 2012 at the mm. relatively young age of 76. Mm. And even though I was working and publishing at the time, I was uh, my husband and I were intimately involved with his care. My mother-in-law was the primary caregiver, but uh, they also live in Boulder. And uh, I loved hanging out with him. Mm. I loved it and found that I was good at it. You know, I would... I, it, It was one of those things where it was just very natural for me and not fearful or weird or anything. And I just really enjoyed being with him and got that kind of feedback a lot from people like, oh, you're so good at this, you know. (laughs) So after he passed away, I started volunteering at a memory care community um, close by my home. And again, just found that I completely loved it. I was very fortunate that that particular community had and has a real value for spiritual care. And I say Mm -hmm. that because that is unusual. That is Mm -hmm. not necessarily something you will find prioritized Mm -hmm. in long-term care communities. And so I just was really lucky uh, to land at this particular place that had a value for that. And they had a weekly church service, non-denominational church service. Mm -hmm. And part of my volunteering was bringing people and sitting with them. Well, with my background as a worship leader mm-hmm. and Bible study leader, I was like, this is the bomb. I love this so much. Yeah. This is so great because I could see how the hymns especially, but all the forms of church brought to these people that could no longer get out to their own places of worship, how it met them and brought them so much life and joy and alertness and blessing that that lasted right past just the hour long service. So long story short, when when that uh, activities director moved on to another role, the staff there knew my background as a, a you know a church person, quote unquote, yeah. and asked me if I wanted to take over the spiritual care part of uh, the activities as they call them. And of course I jumped at it. And that was about the time that I was leaving the publishing world. And, you know, it was, it was just uh, really uh, God's providence that the timing uh, came together in such a beautiful way. So started leading a Bible study there with a little tiny group of people, which just grew and grew and grew and uh, the church services every week. So that's so that's, lovely. That was a long, <laughs> a long story, no, but that's, it's great. that's basically how I got into it. I love that you felt led by what you loved doing and what you mm-hmm. felt already comfortable doing with your gifts uh, and what brought you joy to do right? rather than this big onus of, well, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. <laughs> so that's really lovely. I do think that's God's way, right? He, he, yeah. he does lead us. Who wants us. to be ministered, right? Who wants to be ministered to by someone who's like, this is my suffering. <laughs> right. <laughs> being with you. <laughs> right. Oh, and, good. You know, it's not about <laughs> guilt or, you know, duty. And I often tell people, you know, because people often will say, oh, you're so amazing. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And wow, it's just so noble. And, you know, and I say, you know what? I, that's really kind of you to say. At the same time, I don't really want to hang out with little kids at Sunday school. That's not my thing. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. That's, but I'm so grateful that for the people 
that do that and right. middle school teachers and you know people that are doing <laughs> all these other things that their hearts are led to. Right. And it just, you know, it makes sense to me. It's like that's the body of Christ, right? You're, we're right. not all the ear or the, you know, eye or the foot. But uh yeah, this is this is what I love and I found uh that's kind of my happy place mm-hmm. is to be with these people. That's so beautiful. So I have I an a very minimal and kind of confusing experience with dementia and Alzheimer's uh, from my family, particularly on my dad's side. Um, at one point, uh, about 12 years ago, I got a call on a Tuesday that my grandpa had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. Hmm. I felt like that was a serious diagnosis. Um so I, I wanted to visit and fortunately I worked at an airline at that time. And so I could fairly easily travel. Hmm. So I actually left Friday night, um, and got in Saturday, um, to visit and he had died Saturday morning before I got there. Oh my And I was like, I thought this was serious, but I didn't think that was a fatal diagnosis, right? Like it's not, it's not supposed to be. So I'm assuming that was just like, just coincidence that he got diagnosed late or whatever, or I I don't even know, like the, Mm -hmm. it was just kind of a crazy time. And I, I, I never really thought like, Oh, I should learn more about Alzheimer's because I was Mm. just like, I was focused on like hanging out with my grandma at that time and just being there for her, um, Mm -hmm. in that moment. Cause it like, it was just all very sudden, but then like 10 years later, my grandma died and, my dad had said like, oh, she has dementia. But as far as I know, she was never officially diagnosed. And it seems like there's a a pretty wide variety of things that dementia could mean. Mm -hmm. Is it the kind of thing that you can just know that somebody has? Like, do you need a formal diagnosis? Do you have to have a diagnosis to get care for it? Like what are what are some like Brent has all the questions. What are some things some that definitions. people should know for people like me who don't know anything about it? Right. Who might end up seeing it in their family at some point. Like what are the things that people should know? Like how serious is it? Like I'm assuming like if you hear Alzheimer's, it's not going to be my experience where they're going to die within a week like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's normal. Is that normal? I have never heard of that happening, but okay. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a new one for me. Um, and that could have had all kinds of issues behind it. I, I couldn't possibly speak into that, but I will say you did exactly the right thing, which was to show up. And, and that's so often, you know, what I tell people is like, wow, if, if you have any curiosity about dementia or Alzheimer's, really the first thing is just to show up and not be afraid, uh, but go and be with that person or their loved ones or whoever that is. It is a fatal disease. Uh, it, it is something that eventually your body will forget to breathe or to eat or uh, whatever it may be, but it can the variation of that in terms of time and how it affects the brain, um, as I mentioned before, the that Alzheimer's is the largest kind of bucket of dementia diagnoses. So, but dementia is the umbrella term. Mm. So Alzheimer's is just one. And I mean, it's an enormous percentage. Oh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but it's something like, you know, 50% of people over the age of 85 will have some form of dementia. And that just really means cognitive impairment, 
which can manifest in a lot of different ways, depending on the specificity of the kind of dementia. With Alzheimer's, um, it's it's almost impossible to predict exactly. It is impossible to predict how the disease will progress because it's you know one of the sayings is if you've seen one case of Alzheimer's, you've seen one case of Alzheimer's. <laughs> it's going to be different every time because it's like it's like a you know if you picture a tapestry and little threads get clipped. Mm. Uh, maybe it's the language thread or the motor skills thread or the filtering language thread or whatever. And you don't know which one or in what order or if they ever will um, get snipped. But slowly that tapestry gets more and more holes in it mm. and less and less ability is left. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the best way to think of it. But um, yeah, it's a it's an enormous spectrum of how it shows up. You know, the people that I work with range from, wow, you could almost not tell that they have some kind of dementia. Mm. They seem to be conversing just fine mm. um, to people that are 100% nonverbal or, um, yeah, uh, and everything in between. What's one misconception you think that folks have about working in elder care? Uh, working in elder care or dementia? Both. Either. <laughs> Whichever speaks Both. to you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say the the biggest misconception, I think, in, in terms of working with elders is that it's depressing. Mm. It's not depressing at all. I, I mean, it's, I think, an absolute blast and really a lot of fun. I mean, you go into it knowing um, this is a different kind of scenario that our, that our culture doesn't value, really. You know, we're, and we're very nervous about death and we're very nervous about decay and all those things are on full display. So people mm. think, oh, I can't, I can't do this. It's going to be so depressing. And I just, want people to know it's not, it's not depressing at all. It's really just miraculously joyful Mm. in terms of dementia. I'd say that's, you know, similar. I would say that's also true that it's very far from depressing. It's actually really joyful. But the other big misconception with people with, um, that people think about people with dementia is that they're gone, Mm. that they're not themselves anymore, Mm. that they, you hear that a lot. It's not my mom anymore. I, you know, they're, they're just gone. They won't remember anything anyway. Why should I visit? Mm-hmm. Why should we do a church service? Mm-hmm. Why should we do a Bible study? They're not going to remember it anyway. And that is just simply not true. In in my experience, it's just not true. They are very much alive. And I do believe that the scriptures teach us that, you know, that our outer bodies are wasting away, no doubt, but our inner selves, our souls are being renewed mm-hmm. day by day. And that the souls that are in us and in the people with dementia are just as young and vibrant as the day they were born. Wow. That's they're there. They are there and they are not gone. So that's, that's definitely one of my little soapboxes. <laughs> that's beautiful. Is that what makes it so joyful to you when it, you say it's not depressing, it's joyful? Is it because that element of them selves is still so present or is there something else? Yeah, I think because, you know, it's it's what I said to you earlier, Brent, showing up being the key thing. When you show up, you see uh, what can happen, you know, when you're paying attention. I, I have literally lost track of the miracles and stories and joyous encounters and the things people say. 
I have lost track of those. I, like I now expect to see something amazing every time I'm with uh, someone with dementia or a group of people with dementia. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even surprised anymore. <laughs> so, you know, they just, but I, I, I will admit I was surprised at first. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I didn't know. I didn't know that would happen. I didn't know God was that invested and would show up so mm-hmm. beautifully and miraculously. And, you know, these people would say things and do things that just blew my mind. What's an example of one of those times? Oh, if you can pick. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Great. Yes. Oh, there's so many. So, uh, but this is, this is my favorite one. And I even printed out because it's a, it's a kind of a long quote. So this is a, a really great example of how um, the people with dementia are my teachers, mm-hmm. right? They, they mm-hmm. teach me what uh, God is doing and what God is about and how much he loves us, his children. So uh, I was doing a Bible study at, at a, a community close to home and a woman came, her name was Betty Jo, and she was very advanced in dementia. Uh, she was there with her caregiver. And uh, I knew, I knew she was a believer because before she had lost language ability, um, you know, we'd had chat, chats about the Bible and she still had dementia, but mm-hmm. she was just full of praise and all that. Anyway, she came to the Bible study and slept through the whole thing, you know, just had her head down and her eyes closed and fine. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. No surprise. And, um, you know, I don't, that's, that's okay. So we were studying the uh, story from Mark chapter five, the uh, healing, uh, Jesus heals the woman that has the flow of blood, mm-hmm. which is now one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about it and we go through the whole passage and then we wrap it up and we say the closing prayer. And after the closing prayer, Betty suddenly lifted her head. Now, this is somebody who had really not spoken in quite a long time in any, in any length, right? At any length. And she lifted up her head. I'm going to read what she said because I just started writing it down. Hmm. She said, she had the opportunity to tell the whole thing and Jesus waited to hear the whole thing. She was kicking up her feet. Think how long it had been since she wanted to dance. Maybe never. Hallelujah. What a wonderful day this has been. How do you think that woman felt? Nobody would mention it, let alone heal her. But God touched her right there. She didn't know God from a pee in a hole, but she was healed. Hallelujah. Glory. How do we feel right now just thinking about it? Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh. I said, Betty Jo, how do you feel? You know, because this is one of the things, right? She just said, how do we feel? And I said, with Betty Jo, how do you feel? And she said, like I had been shattered and then lifted out of hell to live like a live person. Wow. I mean, mic drop. I, I, I just, and, and she went on for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes wow. just praising God. And that was just, she taught me then like, do not assume right. that they're not hearing and that the spirit is not at work doing something through the word. Mm. You know, this is just the power of, you know, you, you all know this, this is what BAM is about, right? You've, yeah. You study the word and the word is so alive and does more than we can imagine. And that cognition is not required. Wow. I mean, that's that's kind of mind blowing. Right. right? So I think about your, 
your tapestry imagery and like, you know, those different threads that are, you know, not connected anymore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, is that where that idea comes from? Like, oh, they're not my, they're not my mom anymore. Like, it's not, it's not the mom that I knew. And maybe that's just because like that one thread that helps her remember like her kids' names. Mm-hmm. So like you walk into the room and, and she doesn't know who you are, but then all the other threads are still there. And so she has all of the memories of all the things that she's done with you. Mm-hmm. So it's just, is it just like a matter of understanding like, Hey, you're going to walk in and she's not going to know your name, mm-hmm. but that's okay because all of those other experiences are still there and you can talk about those stories. And like, is it just a matter of like knowing the right things and just being able to step back and say, it's okay if she doesn't remember my name and maybe she will mm-hmm. at some other point, like, like you didn't expect Betty Joe to pop up and like you didn't think she was listening. You thought she was asleep. And, and mm-hmm. then all of this happened. Well, expectations is always a huge part of it, isn't it? Of any interaction that we have with people, right? It's like, well, yeah. And it's so painful. And I, I do want to say this. I, I never want to underestimate or minimize how difficult the dementia journey is. It is difficult and hard. But what I, what I want to come against is kind of this relentless negative narrative mm-hmm. that it's only hard and only negative and only sad. It's not that it's not hard and it is hard and it is sad, but th- that's not the only story. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, Brent, the, the showing up and I think having, having the expectation that it's our job to enter into the person with dementia's world. You know, it's, it's our job to be part of their current reality, right? So I, they never know what my name is, right? Mm. But they, they do know that I'm someone that they like and that there's something positive about our interaction. And that's good enough for me. You know, that's all we need. Like, but if they're, if they're in a different place, this is what's one of the things that's interesting to me. And again, I'm going to tie it back to Bama as I've been listening to it. And I'm not even through the prophets yet, but I'm, you know, I'm getting there. The, all of the repetition about caring for the widows and orphans mm-hmm. and aliens. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, for, of course, for me with my, my line of work, I'm like, yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Because I would, I would argue that people with dementia are all three. Absolutely. They're yeah. often literally widows. Mm-hmm. Often they are orphans, mm-hmm. but they still remember their parents. They often say, where are my parents? Mm-hmm. And they're aliens because they're from at that point of their lives. They're kind of in a different reality. Mm-hmm. They're, they're from a different land. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to enter into that space and that land and say, okay, where are you? And how can I love you in this place and be with you in this place and not be afraid of this foreign land, (laughs) you know, enter into it and see what will happen. But that's, that's my whole point. It's like you show up and these amazing things that you don't expect could happen, do happen. I think that's an interesting distinction because I think the default when we talk about specifically the alien or the foreigner Mm -hmm. is like the people who are in our land, Mm. but you're talking about, we need to go into their land. And I just, yeah, yeah, like why, why wouldn't that apply (laughs) just as much when you're in another land? like, there's, 
there's not an exemption to care for the people around you right. just because you're not at home. Right. So I, I love that. Yeah, I think that's very true. I love that posture too, um, because I'm talking to other folks who work in ministry, um, when we think about how we approach the work of ministry and what we're doing when we're caring for someone or pastoring, shepherding, teaching, whatever we're up to, um, there's that distinction of, am I making sure that I'm doing this because I love that person, not because it makes me feel like <laughs> great or powerful or smart or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and how careful when you're working with a standard population, standard demographic, that can be trickier, right? Like people like some, some people, not all people, but some mm -hmm. people like standing up in front of a lot of people and it makes them feel um, great versus that's pretty stripped away speaking to someone who might be confused about how they got into the room, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. feel as great to impress them. <laughs> so all of that ego being taken out of the equation and just being able to be with a person um, mm -hmm. and bless them in a more pure way than the, mm -hmm. uh, a non alien orphan widow context really sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything as you were growing in your time in elder care that surprised you or delighted you um, from working in the field that we haven't talked about yet? Oh gosh, did I already talk about just the humor of it? Uh, no, of, no. Of, this is another thing. I, again, I just, I'm, the word delight is so appropriate, I think, in this mm. context, because I am regularly uh, delighted by uh, the interactions that I have, you know, that are, these people can be really funny. I mean, they're, they're, again, they're not gone, you know, and right. they, they want to participate and they get it when we're saying something funny. I love to use humor in my church services or, mm -hmm. you know, in a Bible study, I'll get up and act things out, anything mm -hmm. to make them smile. Sometimes they'll get the joke. Sometimes they won't get the joke, but it doesn't matter. But then, you know, like I remember doing some Bible study, I can't remember which one it was, but it was something about going down to the pit. Yeah. And, you know, we're, I'm talking about, well, what is a pit? You know, what's a pit like? Mm. And like, boom, boom, boom. They were like, it's pitiful. It's the pits. <laughs> you know? was like, that's right. They just were on it, right? That's they great. Just got it, you know, and I had one woman who, you know, when I came in again, they don't remember my name. That's fine. Um, but she kind of lit up when she saw me and, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm here, Joanne. And she said, yeah, yeah, I remember. Now she didn't say I remember you, but, uh, yeah, you're here. And I said, yeah, uh, you can just call me Miss Bible study. And she said, or <laughs> Miss BS for short. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, and she knew exactly what she was saying, right? Because she said it with a twinkle in her eye. That's great. So yeah, I love, I love the humor. I love um, uh, the tenderness. You know, I get to see these people with dementia also serve each other. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, oh, it's so beautiful. You know, in a, in a church service, somebody will be, you know, helping somebody find the right page that I have these large print uh, hymn books because mm. uh, they're used to holding something. They don't need to use the hymn books, but they're used to holding something. So I made these mm. large print hymn books mm -hmm. and, you know, they'll help each other find the right page or if somebody drops it, they'll pick it up or, you know, they'll 
motion to somebody sit with me, you know, it's just lovely. It's really lovely. Yeah. One time somebody handed me after the church service, I go around to each person and just pick up the songbook and say, God bless you. Thank you for coming. And a woman handed me a folded up paper towel Mm -hmm. and said, this is from her name, she said, and family. And and I immediately realized she thought it was an offering. Oh, she wow. thought it was a, a financial outrage. That was the form she was used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like an it looked like an envelope. Yeah. Right. And she handed it to me, and immediately, you know, I just it must have been a, a word from God because, like, why would I think, oh, this is her offering? Yeah. But you know, then I'm able to respond. Oh, that's so generous of you. Thank you so much for, you know, your contribution and, you know, things like that. I love that you said um, a couple minutes ago that we are not our cognition Mm -hmm. um, and how our humanity, as you're telling these stories, our humanity lies in so many other things, our uh, desire to serve other people, our desire to be generous, our desire to be present, Mm -hmm. um, our social selves, our giving selves, our humor, um, and in our post enlightenment society, we want to only be our cognition. Right. right. <laughs> don't look at my body. Right. Please don't. You know, I don't mm. want to be an embodied person. I don't want to experience any decay. I just want to be able to clip along and be competent in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the ability to say, I'm still human and I'm still good in the image of God. And that person is still good and delighted in by God, even without cognition is yep. so challenging. To, to so many of us. It's challenging because our, our culture and worldview values that, I would say, probably above all else. And as long as I have my memories and I'm, you know, have all my marbles, then I'm a real person and I'm, you know, I, I'm okay. But yeah, I don't think that holds up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know how much um, interaction you have with family of um, the people that you're caring for. Do you find yourself ministering to them in the same, I mean, not necessarily the same way, but like, mm-hmm. do you, do you find that your ministry role, like you, you walk into the building thinking that you're ministering to all of the people who are there, but, but then I'm, I'm assuming you find yourself ministering just as much to the patient's family as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would say not as much, but, uh, I, one of my favorite things is when a family member or members join their loved one uh, for usually for a church service, right? Because this is something, you know, remember, this is a generation that they went to church every single Sunday. Right. That was their life. Mm. You know, they, that you would not miss church unless you were really, really in duress. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so, but these are people that can't get out to church anymore. So mm. bringing church into them and then to worship with their families again, just turns out to be an enormous um, blessing for these families. So yes, I've had numerous family members just make it a, a priority to come every Sunday and at the right time and, you know, join their loved one and they get to sit with them and sing with them and, and participate in these very familiar rituals and see their loved one, um, yeah, participate and Mm -hmm. enjoy themselves and enjoy being with their loved ones. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite things is when, when family members come along and, um, but then again, you know, I mean, I'm there on Sunday, so I know people are also doing their own thing on Sunday. So, 
Uh, and of course, it's been different since COVID, and right. we don't need to get into COVID. That sure. really blew things up. <laughs> sure. Yes. Do you find any particular like do theological disputes? I mean, people have been raised in a certain church culture that does communion or the Eucharist in a very specific way. Yeah. <laughs> do is there any kind of conflict that ever arises or is everybody just pleased to be there being together and worship? Oh, that's a fun question. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I grew up Catholic and so I kind of, I kind of speak Catholic, you know, and I know the prayers and such. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that initially with new residents, uh, I will sometimes encounter some suspicion. <laughs> right. Know? First of all, because I'm a woman. <laughs> right. Scandal. <laughs> oh, goodness. And uh, then they'll want to know, uh-huh. well, are you Methodist? Are you Catholic? Are you Lutheran? Right. And I'll say, well, you know, this church service, I just sort of dodge it. This church service <laughs> is for anyone, you know, uh, I, and if I know they're Catholic, I'll often say I grew up Catholic because right. that just immediately sets them at ease. <laughs> right. And they'll be like, you know, okay, but I'm Episcopalian. So usually what I end up saying is, you know what, just, just come. If you don't like it at any time, you can leave right in the middle. Nice. And I promise <laughs> I won't be offended. Yeah. I totally get it. You know, that's totally fine. I, I understand. So many, many, many times I've had somebody kind of grudgingly come <laughs> and then once they're there, they love it. Oh, they love it so and they, they just get into it. Mm-hmm. And I have taken a lot of care to try to weave in elements from the different traditions. Mm. So somebody will have something to hang, hang their hat on right. mm-hmm. at, that they'll recognize, you know, so we, and, and certain elements I repeat in the, I'm talking about the church service now, not the Bible studies, but um, we repeat uh, key elements that, you know, the Lord's prayer, we repeat it every week, but I use trespasses, not debts. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's a nod to the Catholics, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we recite the um, Psalm 23 uh-huh. in, in the King James. Okay. Because that's how most people memorized it. You'd be amazed how many people know that from memory. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a variety of songs. I'd say half the, the service is singing because music, we haven't even touched on music. <laughs> a huge key part of this ministry is uh, singing these classic old hymns and spiritual songs. Mm -hmm. And I, I've tried to, you know, again, have a cross section of songs that appear in different hymnals. Right. So I know this is traditionally sung in the Catholics and this is the Lutherans and, you know, so try to get a cross section and uh, yeah, it's, it's great. So people, they might start out a little, little hesitant and suspicious, but sure. I have I have yet to have somebody who I haven't won over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just enjoy it. It's yeah. it's meant to be enjoyable and fun. I love that. We love to construct so many of our um, identities around these different hedges and different. Mm-hmm. You know, well, oh, I'm this, or oh, I'm. I'm Methodist or I'm this or I'm, yeah. uh, and being able to let go of those at the end of life and enjoy togetherness, um, and worship is really lovely. And I'm proud. I'm proud that the elders themselves do that because again, for that generation, their denomination was an identifier. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And, and I respect that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it does take them kind of entering in and, and they themselves choose to 
you know, kind of let go, like what you're saying. Yeah. Which is great. That is great. Um, what's one thing that the larger community, because most of us aren't in these little enclaves, right, um, of special populations. So what's one thing that you think the larger community could really learn from those who are experiencing dementia or end of life? I think this this might have overlap with uh, people who do ministry with children, mm-hmm. because they'll often say, oh, I love being with kids because it's just in the moment. It's in the moment. Yeah. And that is exactly true with people with dementia. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to equate people with dementia as children because they're not, they're adults, but they are by virtue of the dementia, really, they are in the moment. The moment's the only thing they have. Mm-hmm. There is no five minutes ago. There is no five minutes from now. It's just right now. And, and that, you know, for as much as we talk about that as, you know, this thing that we're all supposed to try to embrace being in the moment, right. it's not easy to do, but yeah. it is, uh, when you're with somebody with dementia, that is the space that you're in. And I love that. I mean, again, for me, that is such a, I, it's such a blessing to me. I come away filled mm-hmm. and renewed and, you know, with perspective, like, yeah, that, that was a good moment that's a, that was a good moment. So I think that's something that anybody can experience. Yeah. How do you think that practice intentionally trying to stay present moment to moment, how has that, um, informed or altered the rest of your spiritual experience, the rest of the time that you're trying to be present with your family, et cetera? How, how do those feed into each other? What's, what's it like? I wish, I wish I was, I wish I was better at this, of course, What's right? It like because I'm totally enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only I could, you know, so easily transmit all the lessons I learned from these dear elders mm-hmm. into the rest of my lives and mm-hmm. never wake up in the middle of the night worried about things that are not going right. to happen. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would say when I'm, when I'm having a rough time, when I'm, preoccupied about something, it is, well, uh, you know, if, if I'm not going to visit the elders that particular day, I need to bring their, you know, my own memories of being with them Mm -hmm. into whatever I'm doing as much as I can, because again, they're my, they're my teachers and they have this, um, kind of blessed perspective of, of the moment. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I would not say I'm totally successful at bringing that into all aspects of my life. But. When you are, give me a call. <laughs> right. <laughs> Once right. you arrive. We'll talk. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I remember um, before I switched my career also into ministry, mm. I spent around five years working in therapy um, mm. and a lot with younger populations um, coming out of the psychiatric system and the detention system. Mm. And um, <laughs> I I remember watching a bunch of kids, which against like, elders are not children, but um, watching them play in this bouncy house. And they were uh, a bunch of kids with ASD, um, autism spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. And if you had a 
typical population of kids in a bouncy house. You can watch them. They're like, you know, some of them are like showing off a little bit, their spin jumps or whatever. And the others are thinking about whether to wait their turn or not. And there's some like, oh, I'm jumping over here. You're going to jump over there (laughs) and trying to outdo each other by how high. And there is just none of that present in the group Mm. of kiddos I was working with on that particular day. And they were all just, you know, enjoying the living heck out of the bouncy house. And that was all they were doing. They weren't thinking about anybody else. Yeah. Um, And trying to live in that space of like, ah, what amazing gifts we all have. Maybe it's not a bouncy house. I hope for some of us it is. (laughs) (laughs) But um, to enjoy the amazing life, the amazing gifts, the amazing people God has put in our lives and how much of our brain space is being occupied by ego and stuff that totally doesn't matter. Um, Mm. And how much can we just live in what God has given to us and just inhabit that that moment and that gift? Mm -hmm. Yep. When we think it's holy or not to so much of the time, you know, yeah. it's holy or not to enjoy things. And I just don't think that's true. No, okay. I don't either. <laughs> Side soapbox. Yeah. It's a perspective. It's a perspective. No, I, I get that, you know, because, yeah, it's a it's a teaching moment to say, yeah, this is a perspective that I, I would hope I could live into this. Right. You know. Right. Yes. Minute by minute. Um. Okay. Last wrapping up question. I'm sure we'll have follow up hmm. questions because Brendan and I just get excited about whatever we're talking. About. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I apologize out of nowhere. Awesome. But uh, no, no, it's great. Last idea here. What's one adjustment you would like to see the church make, Big C Church, mm-hmm. the church make in order to better love and honor our elders. Mm. We've talked so much about how society wants to jettison elders. We think our identity is in our cognition. We see people who are um, not meeting our quota of competency, and that makes us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's an adjustment you would like to see the church make in order to better love and honor elders? Such a good question. Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit and give you one one. One attitude and one action. Ooh, I like it. So uh, w- an attitude I- adjustment, I would say, it, it really harkens to what you were just saying, Elle, which is churches need to, in my opinion, realize that ROI shouldn't drive all program decisions. Mm. The The work with the elderly is not going to have a huge return on investment. Right. It's not that I'm saying don't invest in the youth. Of course, we, our churches need to invest in the youth and the future, but don't assume that because there's no return on investment with the elderly, that that's not a worthy program to support and to make a commitment to. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, these people are, are towards the end of their life. They are not going to grow your church roles. They are not going to be contributing massive amounts of, or any money right. <laughs> to your programs, but that doesn't mean... Um, that they are not worthy of all the ministry resources that we could, you know, we're back to the widows, aliens, and orphans, right? Right, right, right. Absolutely. This is not, and not just because God commanded it, but because it's for our blessing and for our good. Right, right. Um, so there's that attitude adjustment. And then second action, I think it, it comes full circle, Brent, show up, hmm. right? Just, hmm. just go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, it is a tiny, tiny percentage of churches. This is anecdotal, but I think this is true. Sure. Tiny percentage of churches that have a 
you know, a, a budget line item for elder care or a, mm-hmm. a dedicated program to, to reach out to people that live in long-term care communities, whether that's assisted living or skilled nursing or memory care. And, the, you know, that's just, <laughs> if every church just adopted one long-term care community and made a commitment Uh, whether that's a single person or a team of people Mm -hmm. to go in. And again, this is why I created Spiritual Elder Care. It's like, I want people to, if they feel the call and want to do something, I want them to have the resources to do it. Right. So I, you know, created just massive amounts of resources to, to make, to lower the bar, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be, have, you know, master's degree. You don't have to have anything special. Uh, there's some helpful training, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but there's the, I want to make the bar really low for people to do this kind of ministry and work and feel comfortable and capable and competent at it. Um, and for churches to support that and to say, yeah, we, we have a value for our elders and we're going to make this happen yes. on a regular basis. Because I will tell you, one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when people get in touch with me, uh, by people, I mean activity directors or, you know, directors at long-term care, and they find out what I do or they found me online somehow. And they say, how can we get somebody to come in? I've been calling churches and they don't even call me back. Mm. And I just, I just want to cry. Yeah. You know, and I get it. Churches are stretched. Staff are stretched. I totally understand that. At the same time, I would say, well, let's try to find people, you know, often it could be retirees or whoever Mm -hmm. that have a heart for this, right? you know, just the way other people have a heart for the kindergartners or the middle schoolers. Right. Right. And, and that we can give them the tools to do this. Yeah. You know, in Tanakh and the Old Testament, um, in the Hebrew, Moses and the rest, (laughs) you know, the ones... (laughs) Yeah, those guys. <laughs> those ones. Um, they're always calling the elders of Israel together. And when we read that, we typically think, uh-huh, the leaders. Because in so many of our churches, elder just means like, you know, a man mm-hmm. <laughs> in a button-up shirt <laughs> mm-hmm. who can stand at the front and tell people what to do. But that's not what the word means. The word <laughs> means an elder, as an old person, a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who is aged. Um, and we've lost that so much, uh, especially, you know, in white America. America with mm-hmm. all of its proclivities that we've talked about and not communal and not honoring and considering those, um, the, a huge spe- part of our life, of our lifespan, we're just pretending we'll never come to pass. That won't be me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, it's I'll never be incredible. that person. It, it's wild. Um, yeah. Uh, how can people find that wealth of resources that you have created? Ah. If they feel so inclined to join Thank in this you beautiful for work asking. you're doing. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. So spiritualeldercare.com. I will say just as an aside, this is, again, God's great wisdom and provision that all my publishing background really came in handy. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> when, I was, mm. when I was setting up this website and, uh, you know, I'm a professional writer, as I said, so uh, just writing all these resources and it's on spiritualeldercare.com. Okay. And there's Bible study. There's, oh, you know, dozens and more than a year's worth of Bible studies and um, church service agendas and 
songs that are free for so all these resources are free. I decided from the get go, you know, I don't own this stuff. I I I just feel like I want this again. I want that bar to be so easy for people to get over mm-hmm. to go and do this kind of work. So. Um, there's articles about how there's, I encourage people to call me, to email me. I love answering questions there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot on that website. If you, fantastic, because <laughs> people ask me for things and I'm like, yeah, I can write that. And I'll, you know, I'll just write things. I had one woman from Australia contact me and say, well, I have no church background, but my elders really want to, to pray, you know, what can I pray with them? Like, mm. got you covered, right? So let just, <laughs> here's some prayers you can do. And by the way, prayer is a great, easy on-ramp for elders with dementia. You can, I have never had any, anyone say, when I ask them, would you like me to pray for you? I've never had anyone say no. Wow. That's so you just pray for 30 seconds. You're, you're golden, right? Mm. Anyway, so spiritualeldercare.com is a good place to start. But again, if people want to get in touch with me, I'm happy to answer questions and uh, get people started. Talk to churches. Mm. You know, I remember Marty saying on one of the podcasts a a while back, I need more of me. Mm. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I want to train. I want to train more people Mm -hmm. to do what I do. And we'll see how that comes about. And that's kind of the next frontier for me. How do I, how can I? How can I duplicate? Right. Yeah. The This work. Well, thank you for teaching us and testifying to the work of God that you've seen and the image of God that you see continually um, in our fellow humans, our <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter the age or cognitive ability. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. Um, whether we all have grandparents, whether we have a relationship with them or not, we're all surrounded in some form by uh, people who are experiencing um, a different season of life that we can learn from mm-hmm. and, and take these things, even if we're not going to necessarily have the power, the privilege in our community to say, hey, we need a new, <laughs> we need to divide, divert church resources somewhere. And maybe we do mm-hmm. have that power and privilege and we should. Um, all, all sorts of people can, can learn from the things that you talked about today. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you. It's my privilege. I really appreciate your interest. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's funny. Typically we ask for like, you know, what are, what are other resources? What are other things? But as you're, as you've been talking about it, it strikes me as sort of a similar way we talk about discussion groups. And I don't know how, if you're to the point where we have, you know, more and more, I think, I think we have the map, at least we've, we had the map by the time we get to the prophets, but mm-hmm. like we, we tell people all the time, they'll email and say, Hey, I want to start a discussion group. What do I do? It's like, just get people in a room <laughs> and talk about the Bible. Like it really mm-hmm. is that simple. And I, right. you know, just a lot of the things you're saying, like, just, just show up, just pray with someone. And if you don't know how to do any of that stuff, your website has all of those resources to make it simple. And so just, just the idea of keeping it simple, Mm -hmm. I just, I just love that. Like just do the simplest things Mm -hmm. and, and it makes such a huge difference. Absolutely. Brent, that's extremely well put. Thank you. So yeah, I would encourage everyone to go check out your website, see the resources that you have available and figure out those ways that you can get involved in your local community. Like that, 
these sorts of um, communities, these long-term memory care communities are basically everywhere, right? Like how, yes, like it's, it's not really possible to not have one like you, how, how remote would someone have to be to not have one nearby? Like they're union town. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's where I live. Lisa. Yeah. But, okay. but you, the don't, town you together, don't have yeah, to right. go that far. Like it, you know, Pullman I'm assuming has, has one yes. and you're what, yes, 20 minutes away. So, you know, even people who feel like, you know, you live out in the middle of nowhere or people who are caring for a loved one at home. I mean, sure. don't forget those people, yeah, right? Absolutely. Their, their loved one isn't in a long-term care community. But they're just caring for them at home. Mm. Resources work just as well for that situation. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. Well, that will be in the show notes at baymodestepshop.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can use our contact page. Um, and as Elisa said, like get in touch with her if you have any questions about um, the work that she's doing or how, how she can help you um, be involved in your community. Um, so, yeah. That does it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for joining us on the Bay One Podcast. We'll talk to everyone again soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Ooh, bonus bonus question, Elisa. I forgot to ask this. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to tell the story about how you got connected to Baymont in the first place and and how this <laughs> interview even came about? Yes. Does Elle not know this? I told I, Brent this the other day. I don't. I think it involves your son and Marty. Yes. That's yes. Just so about it. Marty was doing the book tour and uh-huh. was swinging through. Um, well, I, I was already listening to Bama podcast because, oh, I should have given a shout out to my friend Hillary. Hillary and <laughs> oh, I'm Sam. I'm going to put this in the son. show. So you, you do all the <laughs> shout outs you want. Okay. Well, so almost simultaneously, my friend Hillary and my son Sam both sort of said, oh, you got to check out the Bama podcast. You're going to love this, you know? And so. I'm I'm not really a podcast listener. It is the one and only podcast I listen to. Well, you and, picked a good one. You know, love it. It has <laughs> oh man. Oh, so good. Um, so at any rate, Marty was doing the book tour through Colorado. And our son um, you know, told me, Oh, I, just, I wish I could go here, Marty, you know, hmm. it would be so great. But, you know, we have two little kids and Jen doesn't hmm. really, you know, just like that's a lot to just take off for the whole evening. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, Well, Sam, I'll happily babysit or, you know, come and hang out with Jen and the kids if you want to go, you know, because as I told Brent, I'm like, what parent would say, oh, Sam, you want to go to a Bible teacher? I'm not going to make that happen. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, of course I'm going to make that happen. Right? It's like a every parent's dream to say, oh, my kid wants to go hear a Bible teacher. So, uh, and then my husband ended up going with Sam and they uh, went to Marty's book signing, got the book. Both of them got the book, which is great. And, um, at that point, Sam must've chatted with Marty and told him about, uh, my ministry. Cause he knew he, he having finished the entire podcast, he knew that you all now had these guest speakers and I was just blown away. I just thought, what a beautiful, it'll make me cry. Just thinking about it. What, what greater approval could you ever ask for yeah. than that your own child would say, I want to, I want my mom's ministry to mm, get wow. some attention and airtime. And it was just a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not sure I expected anything to come of it, but he told me, I told Marty about your, about your work. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's awesome. Here we are. I know. So yeah, I'm very grateful.